0: Hello and welcome back to The Legal Social Club. We are on episode six. I'm Rachel.
1: And I am Jordan. And today we are joined by a very, very special guest. We keep getting all the special guests at the moment. Um, She's dominating the legal Instagram scene, the legal YouTube scene. She's dominating everything at the moment. And she's currently doing a training contract at a big firm. So without further ado, please welcome Simranjeet Korman. Woo! Yay,
2: thank you so much, guys. That's the most hyped I've ever had an introduction in my life. I feel like, you know, like a boxer coming out in the ring, like, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like that. I feel so elite right now. But anyway, hey, everyone. It's an absolute honor to be here. Um, My name is Simran. I'm a trainee at um, Wumble Bontingenson, it's a UK top 20 law firm and I'm in the construction disputes team. I'm eight weeks into my training contract, so I'm sure we'll be talking about that element um, in this podcast. And like Jordan said, in his amazing introduction that I'm still so gassed about, and it's maybe made my ego a little bit bigger, um, (laughs) is I am a YouTuber. I make videos about law, but also just kind of normal vlogs and personal development and that kind of element, all that kind of jazz. And I also write Vlogs on my website and I vlog for Law Careers Next as well.
0: Okay, let's go. Right. If you weren't a
2: trainee solicitor, what career path would you have taken? Hmm, good question. I <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I can't even believe I'm saying this, but when I was in year seven, year eight, I really wanted to be an actress. Like 100% wanted to be an actress. And you know how everyone has those like embarrassing email addresses? And my one was simster underscore actress at hot rock. Like, how <laughs> embarrassing is that? Oh, I can't my believe God. I'm literally sharing that right now. But, um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> any yeah, agents like,
2: listening, you know where to email Yeah, them. exactly. Literally, spam me. I'm not checking that inbox anymore, but spam me. Um, but that was what I wanted to be. Um, and then I realized I'm not actually that good at acting. Um, and I I kind of discovered law, but I guess if I was to pick anything else, if I was in this position right now, I think I would probably do kind of like starting my own business or something, if I'm really honest with you. And that is something that I would definitely try and keep in mind, even for the future as well. I did a bit of a poll on this later uh, earlier, and I was talking about it in my story, but I don't see myself working under someone in the long term. I don't know why. I kind of see myself as a bit of a free bird, just doing my own thing like i do imagine myself doing that kind of thing it could even be like starting my own law firm who knows am i manifesting it who knows like yeah it, it manifested could, yeah honestly like i think it's honestly just about right. starting my own kind of thing um i also maybe would have gone into more kind of freelance maybe photography or video editing because i really did enjoy that element that's something that i used to do way before i even started my channel so mm-hmm. maybe something along that kind of creative element as well but obviously in a standard Asian household law and those kind of careers gives that stability so that's why you know one reason why I went with it rather than sadly not going via the creative route but obviously that leads to channels for doing it as side passions uh, rather than main hustles basically
1: what did you get in trouble for the most as a child
2: oh you know what I was such a goody goody as a child really goody goody yeah
1: I oh, see I feel like you'd be the one to be like nope I'm not you just refuse everything. That was
2: that was me as I grew up a lot. Like um in school, I remember I got sent to the head of year because I was I still believe I'm right to this day. you <laughs> did not know what she was on about, but like I think she um she she kept on holding up the class for something. And I was like, look, you're wasting our time just keep on moving with it. And she, I was just like, come on, just hurry up with the class. Like I've got stuff to do, you know? And I got sent ahead of years. That was the main, biggest piece of trouble I got into. I got, I got detention once because I didn't hand in my book for homework and I started crying because I never <sighs> got a detention before. I didn't want a detention on my pristine record. So I didn't get in trouble for much. I think as I got older, I think it was more so because I, not that I didn't say what I, th- thought, like I didn't think before I spoke, but I I, I still quite am a little bit more outspoken. Um, if I have a certain opinion on something, I'll try not to kind of back down on it. Um, I will still try and voice that in obviously not in a rude way, in a most professional way that I can. But I think that was kind of, as I started growing up, what well, I used to get into trouble more with teachers. Um, even for example, my biology teacher, I remember I just didn't find the point in doing a homework. So I didn't do it. I did my own independent study and I ended up getting the good grades anyway. I was just like you know I'm just gonna do it my own way and they didn't like that so I think it was just more so that kind of element of trying to just do things my own way and just being in a system where they didn't appreciate that it just got me to trouble sometimes
1: yeah but that's so good that you kind of took your own initiative and thought well actually this isn't working for me this is how I would
2: essentially want to
1: do it so I'm gonna do it anyway and then like you said you still got the grades in the end so
2: Yeah Yeah, I mean it's a risk that could have gone either way though if (laughs) I could have gone way too like yeah rebellious cocky I'm gonna do it this way and then absolutely flopped it and then on results they'd just be like yeah you know what miss you were right (laughs) I'm glad it paid off in the end.
0: What are you you've just said about a construction seat which I want to hear more about later but Mm. what are you hoping to specialize in once you've finished Mm. your training contract?
2: I'm keeping very much an open mind. Um, Construction disputes is something that I am actually starting to like. Um, I'm not sure whether I see myself in it at the moment. It's too early, but at the moment, we're looking at things like water guttering and concrete and stuff like that. And I'm like, do do I want (laughs) to (laughs) spend (laughs) my life looking at this stuff for the rest of my life? So I'm not particularly sure, but in terms of the kind of glamorous aspect, um, I am really interested in real estate and I'm also really interested in IP. And IP, especially, I fell in love with during the LPC. Actually, um, so I don't know why. I just see sometimes those job postings where they're like legal counsel for Netflix or Ace, or I'm like, yo, you know what? No, that sounds oh, good. No.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, that sounds like fun, right? Uh, that's I think that's kind of. I'm not sure whether it's an ideal or the fact that I've seen that job title and I was like, that is what I want, without actually thinking about what it is. I think that it's definitely that, and I definitely need to do more in- investigation from my end, but. That is, I think my ideal at the moment. Um,
1: (laughs) Question number four is what has been your lockdown savior?
2: Oh, YouTube, 100%. That has been my lockdown savior. Um, I don't want to be that kind of person who makes it their personality trait. (laughs) Like like, (laughs) I've I've been watching like and reading a lot of stuff recently, um, which I think is quite an important kind of thing, but being defined by our careers, like for me personally, do I want to be known as the law girl or the girl who got those training contract offers or that kind of thing, right? So I don't want to be that person. I've literally just taken this question and just ran with it. But I think on, in this lockdown, YouTube has been my massive savior um, in terms of lack of boredom. You know, I'm busy a hundred percent because of all of that element, because of, how long it even takes to edit videos? Um, yesterday I was editing from 11 a.m. down to 5 p.m. and that was just me sat in one spot just editing, just yeah, for this vlog that I've got coming up. It's really exciting actually, and it's a collab oh with God. a YouTuber, so ooh, exciting. oh, exciting! Wow. Um, that was an L- LSC exclusive. Another oh, one. On, we let it on. love an exclusive. We love an exclusive.
1: So, <laughs>
2: um, so yeah, it's honestly kept me really busy. But not only that, it's opened up opportunities for me to meet people, not only in the legal sphere, but even other YouTubers, I've got a group chat with like these other girls right now, and all of us are like brown girls in YouTube, and it's just so nice to be in kind of communities like that. And it w- I wouldn't have been in that kind of opportunity if I didn't start it. So any, if anyone's listening and they want to start a YouTube channel, honestly, start it. I know you have, Jordan. So um, congrats, and welcome. <laughs> and honestly, I just, I just honestly think it's such a cool thing to do. Obviously, YouTube's not made for everyone. Um, I wouldn't, you know, straight up say anyone can do YouTube. If you don't enjoy video editing, if you don't enjoy being on top in front of a camera then don't do it um but yeah i think youtube was my lockdown savior because of that element but i don't want to i don't know where i'm going with it i'm just winging it at the moment because i think i'm also a little bit conscious of i don't want my job title to become attributed to who i am as well so maybe my my, my channel will just go through a different trajectory in the future who knows <laughs>
1: yeah so this one i'm excited to know yeah what is your go-to snack when you're feeling peckish
2: Ooh. Go to i've got a boring answer and oh i've got an interesting answer i've got oh, a go really on. interesting answer go for it okay my boring answer is fruit i like yeah. i like eat fruit but that's, that's yeah. we'll, we'll skip past that one <laughs> um so i really kind of interesting one when um i had my video interview interview in my I think I told you this Jordan actually I, I'm not quite sure if I remember but it was my video interview for Wumble Bond and um I was feeling really low on energy like really you told low. me you, I know what you're gonna say I, yeah <laughs> I felt really low on energy right Rachel you'll be you'll be like who is this kid <laughs> um and I have a massive sweet tooth I had nothing at home, like no biscuits, nothing that could pick me up in terms of energy, except for a jar of sugar. (laughs) So I got a spoon of sugar. I (laughs) ate it, like the raw sugar on the spoon. 15 minutes later, I was absolutely buzzing with energy, did the video interviews obviously kind of did well because I got through to the next stage, yeah. but I was just like, this is great. So now it's it did become low-key a little bit of a, a ritual. Did it?
0: <laughs> really?
2: <laughs> yeah. So basically before every interview, there's something in um in my culture, it's called Mishri, which is basically little sugar cubes, like mini sugar cubes. And um what my mum would do every morning as a form of good luck is give it to me like in a little bag. Um, and I'd keep it in my blazer on the way to the tube, like on the tube station or whatever. Or on the way to the interview, I'd keep it in my pocket. And then I would always take out this little bag and eat the little like bits of sugar before I go in. But then I always thought it looks so sus. I'm taking out this little small, like, plastic bag <laughs> and then eating stuff out of it. I hope I'm not looking like some kind of, like, crackhead or whatever. How big are
0: they? <laughs>
2: I think I've had they're them. Really they look like little crystals. So I was thinking, oh, my God, I hope they're not thinking I'm, like, eating some kind of, like... <laughs> I've
0: <laughs> had them at a temple when I went. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: They, they give them out at temples and stuff, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, they give it with almonds and raisins and all that kind yeah. of stuff um so yeah that's i had little bits of that before every interview as well so that kind of became part of a ritual but that was that's kind of like my interview kind of to do in terms of other snacks honestly i loved Thai sweet chili sensations i can't live without Ooh, them yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, they're
2: good yeah good shout what is the worst
0: networking event you've ever been to
2: oh this... yeah well let me let me think of um
1: I suppose it doesn't have to be networking. It can be any sort yeah, of event. Anything, I suppose.
2: Yeah, anything that involved talking to people in a professional sphere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, I have one, but I don't think I can talk about that because it could easily be led back to a specific firm because there is a specific individual involved in that situation. That yeah, an individual <laughs> we might know. Um. No, it's not anyone that you know. It's not anyone on, in legal Instagram or legal social media. I'm talking about like a partner in a firm, basically. All right, okay. Not in Wombles, (laughs) by the way, before Wombles come to my ass. But um, (laughs) it was, it was another firm. um, Very strange situation. I had to end up reporting it, basically, because I was on. Um, That was that. But um, (laughs) that's Uh all the tea I'm giving with that one. Okay, okay. Um, Yeah, it's fine. The worst um, networking event was... Well, actually, no, that one that i just mentioned was the worst one. (laughs) But um, what I would say is I went to uni and this was the reason why I stopped going to networking events throughout the whole of my university experience. And I talk about this in one of my videos is I went to a networking event and that day I didn't have a blazer. I think I left my blazer. Actually, I don't think I had one. I don't know whether I had one at that moment in my time in my life because I just didn't. Um, And... I think I borrowed my friend's one and it was slightly oversized, didn't really fit me that well. So obviously I wasn't really feeling myself for this kind of networking event. And obviously as a student, I didn't have the funds to buy a new blazer. It was just way too expensive. Blazer like 60 quid, mate. I can't afford that. Cheese is yeah. three pounds and I can't afford that at uni. You know? <laughs> like it was mad. And I um, went to this networking event, obviously not feeling myself, knowing that I tried my best to be professional or look professional and I just wasn't looking like that. And this trainee or this person or associate, I know they were from a Magic Circle firm because it was a Magic Circle firm event. Um, and they really kind of looked me up and down in a really kind of like, you know, like how girls look each other up and down, like in like a really condescending, kind of, yeah. Yeah, in that kind of manner. And it just made me feel so uncomfortable for the rest of the event. It just made me feel like, oh crap, like, you know the image that i had of myself not being the best to what i could be in professional spheres that actually did come out in real life and then people asked me why do you not apply for magic circle and during my university experience honestly that one experience was one of the, the reason why i didn't apply to magic circle firms because it was like if yeah. you have employees of your firm I, i'm like I'm, obviously this is one specific firm not the magic firm in cir- magic circle as a whole she might not even be there in the firm right now i don't even know but yeah um it was just a bit like, you know, if you're hiring people like that and you're at a networking event where you are appealing to students, Mm. surely, you know, you'd have a bit of self-awareness to keep your opinions and your facial structures to yourself. So yeah, yeah, I think that was my kind of worst event because of how uncomfortable it felt. But also even with networking events in general at university, I just honestly just felt like I couldn't contribute to conversations. I I, I mean, I didn't come from a background where, you know I do certain things that certain people at law firms do. I just didn't do that. Instead, I have a massive, I had a massive kind of um, confidence issue in terms of the way I spoke. And I still kind of have that a little bit here and there because when I grew up, people would say because of the area that I'm from, they would be like, oh, you know, you can't speak posh or you can't speak in that kind of way or whatever. So that's obviously a chip on your shoulder that sticks. In my final interview at Wombles with a partner, she said, she asked me this horrible question of, um, it wasn't really horrible, it was actually a really good question, but tell us the positive and negatives about you. That we're thinking about you right now. Um, and I said to them, Okay, the negatives that I'm thinking that you're thinking about me is the fact that I can't speak as eloquently. And she was like, Sim, what absolute rubbish? <laughs> she was like, You speak absolutely well. She was like, This is just a chip on your shoulder. Like, honestly, you just you speak really eloquently, and you know, you shouldn't let that hold you back. So, I'm really glad she asked that, and I'm glad I gave that answer for then for her to tell me that as well. So, yeah i think that's one reason that i really kind of learned later on in life in terms of don't let the experiences of one individual your or your own kind of perceptions of yourself put yourself back because i put myself back from not attending any networking events graduated uni didn't have any connections in my cohort or within like you know from networking events and stuff so yeah i think that's what i would say
1: we i I want to get into all the the juicy stuff now we've got quite a few things we want to talk about Mm. um all about your religion your journey um diversity inclusion literally we've got got a lot that we want we want you to put on the plate um so i suppose um i'll go in with the first one and we just want a, a little journey of um basically from school to now where you are just give us a give us a rundown of kind of mm. well your journey into into your career
2: yeah so um where do I start so it started from the day I was born <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> no let me skip let me skip so primary school that was dead I barely remember that um <laughs> all I remember is the really like you know how everyone cried really like a lot on the last day of primary school
1: yeah yeah I don't
2: know why we cried so much but why did we I cry? know
1: oh, we I think because really Everyone else were doing it. You're like, oh, best great. Oh,
2: might as well. Might as yeah. well shed some tears. For my <laughs> Um Yeah, went into secondary school. Um, at that point, like I said, I had this weird thing about being an actress for like a year or two. Realised I couldn't act. Um, I think I, I think I got into law a lot like other people in terms of uh, watching movies. Um, but it wasn't really suits and stuff as well. Suits, I really, wa- I was actually quite late to the game. I watched that like during uni, like when I was studying law. Um so was we'll suits even out when I was at secondary school. I don't even know. I watched and, it last year.
1: Yeah I watched it last year. Yeah I loved
2: it. I'm glad you guys are late to the game because I remember like I was going to law and everyone's just talking about suits and I was like what suits? <laughs>
1: yeah, literally
2: yeah <laughs> I think I, I just got into law because I was watching this um Bollywood movie with my dad and there was like a I just have this like really kind of memory of this judge kind of character. Um, and he was just kind of posing his arguments, obviously it was dramatised and obviously it was glamorised. but I was like, yo, this looks sick. Um, obviously I was reading the English subtitles because I didn't understand Hindi and I was like, yo, the subtitles are sick. Um, <laughs> and I think from then I just kind of, I don't know why, but I just kind of set myself on that. And my parents always talk about this as well. It's really weird because my brother's a medic and I'm a lawyer. And obviously they're very standard Asian, like ter- stereotypical roles, right? but it's just so much that we like our parents obviously like they always said just do what like do what you wish yeah yeah and it just so happened that I selected that and my brother selected his role as well so it's really strange it's just like kind of like when I was at school I always liked essay writing subjects like English and history and I liked that element of looking at facts and applying it Thank at you. uni I hated essay questions like in terms of I don't know tell us about the Wills Act 1980 yeah
1: I hate them I just can't
2: be asked for that. It's like, you know, you tell me about it. Why do I tell you about it? Um, Imagine if you wrote that on a paper. paper. You tell me. I wouldn't be here right right now, let's just say that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, I really liked problem questions and I liked that element of applying a fact to a scenario. So I think that's kind of what led me to law. And during my school experience, I think I was very lucky that I was on it in a little way, Um, in terms of, my school was really good in terms of that. And that's something like a privilege that I really do like recognize and I acknowledge in terms of they organized work experience for me in year 10 to be at a high street law firm. So that was my first legal experience. Um, They were also involved with the Sutton Trust. Is it Sutton Trust? Um, To help people get into universities like oxford or cambridge um i did taste the days at oxford and cambridge in law as well so um that led me to falsely believe that i could be at oxford university soon i got rejected so i was like ah tears but all worked out in the end anyway because right, i love bristol so much so i'm really glad that i went yeah. there yeah
1: um, and it's a very it's a very very good university still as well
2: yeah no it is um i mean it fell off a little bit off the university rankings but obviously that's since i left it's understand yeah. you know since i graduated it just, oh, no, exactly no place can ever be the same again. <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: Exactly. So yeah, I, yeah, I picked law, I guess, through that kind of route. I always just admired that element. Um, I was always torn between Bristol and Warwick ended up going for Bristol because I wanted that city life rather than campus life yeah. at Bristol. Like i kind of mentioned, um, had a few kind of negative experiences with law that made me feel like this isn't right for me and i I didn't even actually enjoy learning law that much if i'm honest like black letter like it just was really um there were some elements that were really interesting like the problem question elements i really enjoyed when i was given like a situation had to apply the law to it but actually learning it i was just a bit like Ugh not sure whether I like it. And I think also university, it was really difficult for me to start off in terms of getting settled. And the way I revised, the way I studied for things was completely different to how I did it at A-level, as well as the fact that it's the first time away from home and all those kind of elements that come into it as Mm -hmm. well. So yeah, that that led to me applying to EY for a tax internship um, in my second year, because I just thought I'm gonna try something else other than law. Um, I did that and it made me realize that I really like corporate spheres. I like the London kind of life. So that's what led me towards, you know, I want a career in London. So I'm glad it it gave me that. And then I I got a grad job offer from EY as well. Um, But then in my final year, I guess I kind of my my view on law changed in that year. If I'm really honest with you, I started getting a bit more involved again with networking events, putting myself out there a little bit more, um, getting involved with my cohort a little bit more and just understanding that, you know, like this is a potential career path for me. And I started liking it a lot more as well. and I guess in my final year, I was very fortunate to have gained a VAC scheme at PwC. And I think the reason for that was because I did my tax internship at EY. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been able to get the, in the VAC scheme otherwise, because they, were just, they, they knew I was interested in the big four, so that it really helped. Um, did my vac- I was. I thought I was so slick after I graduated because I was one of those people who had a vac scheme after I graduated, and I was like, "Yeah, look at me! I am so cool, just like the rest of you." Now I'm like the rest of you. Help me like join the gang, um, that kind of thing. But obviously, I was on the vacation scheme, and I thought because my EY internship, I didn't have to work very hard to get the grad job offer. I think not going to lie, you just had to be there to get the grad job offer. Um, unless, you had to like like mess up really badly to not get it, which I yeah. didn't do. Um. And then for PWC, I thought it was the same thing. Like I thought, yeah, be calm, whatever. Obviously not, got rejected. And I got rejected a couple of days before the 31st of July deadline. So I was scrambling for last minute rejection, like uh, last minute applications, just going here, there, left, right, center. Oh, I like, wow, let me apply to that. I like Shoesmiths, let me apply to that. (laughs) Let me just apply here, there, everywhere. Um, Obviously got rejected from all of them back to square one. I had my grad job offer at EY, did it for two weeks, hated it, worst time of my life because I just didn't enjoy accounting, left after two weeks to become a paralegal. In that time, I had to move to a completely new city. Um, Wow. Yeah, I... Quite a journey. Yeah, I moved. um, So I I left EY in September. Three to four weeks later, I had my new job in Birmingham. So in that time, I had to relocate. um, And I think I... What one thing that was really cool is when I left EY. Obviously, the salary was quite comfortable, so I actually managed to like book tickets to India for the next day for me and my mom to go. So we went for like a week. Oh, was we great. You guys. The really nice. um, and then in that time, obviously relocated to um, Birmingham. And in that time, actually, because I was living in a studio by myself, it was honestly one of the loneliest times of my life. Like you know, when you're going home, right? And you hear the hustle and bustle of like maybe your partner or like you know your kids like or like you know even me my brother and my parents like hearing that hustle and bustle in the background it just adds to like you feeling a lot better whereas when I used to go home to my studio it used to be just flat out silence so I'd always have music playing in the background because I just didn't like that kind of element and in that time of course I was applying and you know, getting rejections and all that kind of element. It was an element of really kind of a grinding if if I'm honest with you. On every day I used to wake up and be like, I need to get this TC, I need to get this TC. Some might say that's unhealthy, but for me, it actually just really, actually, no, it wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy at all. (laughs) It just kept me going if I'm honest with you, but also there were moments where like, you know, I wasn't in the best place, Um, but come forward a bit more into like the summer after that, i got my two vacation scheme offers. Both of them were convert. Obviously, I learned my lesson from PwC. Both of them got converted into direct training contract offers. And no, cu- both of them got converted into training contract offers. And I did a direct training contract um, application as well and got offered that as well. So, I mean, it's crazy. In the space of a year, I wouldn't have thought a year after I would have got my offers. But, you know, I think, honestly, it was because of patience and dedication and hard work that I got there. Could you
0: tell us a bit more about your religion and being... Well, having your religion as a twenty-three-year-old female in law alongside your training contract—do these things
2: mesh? Mm. How have how's it been? How's it going? I'm so happy you guys asked. That's that's such Yay! a nice question. Yay, that's you. Such a nice question. Um, I've never been asked that before. Um, yes. except I've only been asked that in spaces where there are other Sikh individuals. So it is really nice to be asked this. So thank you for that. You're um, welcome. in terms of my religion, so what we believe is we were a relatively new religion. I think we were founded around 500 or so years ago. Um, so pretty recent. I could be completely wrong with that I hope hopefully not. That's, that's really a Really youth, um, youth at a mere 500 years old. Yeah, yeah oh yeah of course we're the youngest y'all um, and um, so what we believe in is loads of different things in terms of humility we believe in selfless service so for example in our Godware, we call them godwara, um, um, we basically have free food for individuals because, you know, that's what we believe. And that's open to anyone. If you visit the golden temple in India that has four doors, because it's, basically symbolizing that we welcome anyone from any religion to come here as a safe space for anyone. So I do really believe that my religion is really progressive in that sense. It was way before its time. It really kind of abolished things back in the past in terms of gender inequalities, even things like with LGBTQ plus community as well. It used to, it does talk about those elements in its scripts, which is really ahead of its time. Um, So that was um that's a really kind of positive thing um about kind of my religion and like what we're about when i was in school i used to go to sunday schools uh where we would learn about Punjabi, so that is our language um and essentially i wasn't really i just felt like i was there because my parents told me to be there essentially mm-hmm. um but then when i was at university i think It's actually this artist called Jay Huss, he summarizes it perfectly, only turn to religion when you're stressed. And that was when I, I genuinely did feel that. But the day before the exam, any kind of stressful event in life, I was there praying my ass off, like, "Yo, please sort me out. Like, I know I ain't talked to you before. I know I ain't been praying. I know I ain't been the best. Sorry you haven't heard from me for a (laughs) while. But but I was, um, yeah, I was really kind of a, yeah. In that element, I wasn't that most kind of religious at all. Um, And it was actually during the training contract process where I became a lot more Uh, religious a lot more kind of minded to what my religion was all about and I think the reason for that was because honestly I was having this like epiphany moment at a random train station when I was coming back from an interview or something and I was like this process I just feel so helpless with it like I'm working so hard I'm working as hard as I can but no one else can do this other than me. And I just felt so alone because it was just like, no one else can actually help me other than myself. Mm. And I think that's when I turned to my faith and that's when I turned to that element and just made me feel a lot more comforting that there was another kind of divine being out there that was looking out for me and that was helping me out. So I think that's what really um, made me feel special. But I think one thing with our religion as well that I feel like makes it really unique is not only is there kind of like, God isn't this kind of like far away, thing like being that's in the sky like we actually believe that god is within every single one of us which is why when you treat a human badly when you treat animals badly or life badly that's you affecting god essentially um so that's why i think it really kind of makes me into a better person as well because before i jump on this train of i don't know cancelling someone or being rude to anyone i just try and think well you know what that person has an element of god in them regardless of whether they're a good person or a bad person and whether they're a good person or bad person it's not up to me to judge that um, like it's not my role to judge that who am I like I'm not I'm not like the most perfect person in the world either so that's where the humility sense comes in as well and like being kind and just really being selfish towards other people but yeah that's essentially like my journey with um with religion I think even recently now because life has been pretty good I haven't been as on it as I should be in terms of praying and stuff like that but Honestly, whenever there's I need to I, I've always been telling myself I need to make more time for this I need to make more time for this and now that you guys are reminded me, I know I will be um, <laughs> So like, yeah, I think that's kind of my journey, especially in terms of relating to law And I don't think there's ever been any element where I felt at odds with between my religion and law in general If anything, I feel like my religion has been a motivating factor, and it's it's helped me in my journey in my career journey As well as other aspects of life as well. So yeah, I'm really blessed about that
1: Brilliant. Yeah, it is brilliant. I think that does actually lead on really well to our next question, which is, um, so obviously you are uh, an amazing advocate for, advocator, is that the right word?
0: Advocate.
1: Advocate. (laughs) (laughs) You're an amazing advocate for diversity and inclusion.
2: Thank
1: you. And what kind of we wanted to um, know, and like I said, this kind of links well with the the previous question, what we're just talking about, what were your thoughts on kind of the legal scene in relation to DNI pre-training contract, and then what are your thoughts now in mm. terms of with uh, the thing you're at? Mm.
2: So I think pre-training contract I think my views were very much focused on the actual recruitment process right rather than actually being a member of a firm I mean I have paralegaled in firms before so my views of diversity inclusion in those firms as well very much affected my opinion pre-training contract as well I guess my opinion of it still it doesn't really stay the same I guess for me personally I think the one thing with the recruitment practices I think there does need to be a lot more improvement in terms of the way firms recruit uh, at candidates you're not going to get the best talent from only russell group and oxbridge can like universities just because yeah okay cool like these guys like got really good grades and even then a level grades aren't a great like i memorized my way through my a levels i didn't learn a single thing i was pacing around my room just saying chromosomes are the powerhouse of the cell like, you know like those kind of things was it no nucleus i don't know Anyway, i have
1: no idea
2: mitochondria <laughs> who knows but like um
1: <laughs> that's synthesis that's what i do saying <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, yeah um that was um yeah a levels in my opinion is not an indicator of someone being a good lawyer I, I, that just really kind of baffles me if i'm really yep. honest with you um so that was kind of my main sticking point as well even though i had decent a level grades it was just really kind of it, it was a little bit of an annoying factor not for me personally but to see other people who i paralegaled with who are fantastic if not better than me at what they do And they felt like they couldn't apply to the same firms that I could because they didn't have the grades or they didn't have something that was written down on some certificate from so many years ago. So that was kind of my main kind of issue with it, but also mainly also in terms of the inclusion element as well, I have been in workplaces where, they you know on induction for example and the person saying oh yeah can we not have any strong smelling foods in the kitchen and they instantly look at me and it's like okay cool are you looking at me because i'm the curry girl is that is that what it is kind of thing like oh, that's literally it right and there's little things like that where it's just like well come on like it's actual common sense and i'm not gonna lie like other foods do like have strong sense as well it's not yeah. only ours. like yeah. if you heat up fish
1: Oh yeah, I was just yeah. about to say, if I walked <laughs> in a room with a uh, fried cod, it's going to be, it's, it's going to exactly. stink, it's going to stink, that's what it is. Exactly,
2: that's- exactly, and it's just kind of like different things have been like stereotypes have been kind of reinforced that just really make you feel as if you don't belong in a certain space, and um Post-training post, post training contract, my views still pretty much stay the same. I still think more needs to be done in terms of recruiting practices, but also making candidates feel like they feel welcomed in the workplace. I think there is a massive, there's a massive um, drive towards stats. We need more female partners. We need more members of the LGBTQ plus community in our firms, that kind of thing, which is great. It's fantastic. However, if those people don't feel welcomed in your organizations, firstly, they're not going to stay. And secondly, you know, you're know, you not actually breeding a great place for them to develop and learn as well. And also, I, I can't help but feel like firms are trying. That's not just, I'm not trying to put like any kind of negative image. I have seen really positive examples of firms trying. For example, Slaughter and May, they put out their scholarship recently, I think a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there are firms that are making really big steps towards promoting diversity and inclusion. Firstly, I can't help but feel though, it's only the big commercial firms that are doing that. When you go lower down into the kind of smaller firms, you still see elements of that. You know, I'm not talking about personal experience here. I'm talking about the experiences of other people. Cause I talk to a lot of aspiring solicitors, right? And it always seems to be just the general trend that it doesn't seem something, something that's perpetuating throughout the legal industry as a whole. And I can't also help but feel like some lawyers are just jumping on the trend mm-hmm. rather than actually understanding the implications and actions of why it's important to be doing and promoting diversity inclusion in their workplace and even things like i talk about this in my recent video like firms have a good place in terms of offering things like imposter syndrome training but actually address why imposter syndrome even occurs in your workplace in the first place when someone when someone like women for example we are more likely to experience imposter syndrome in the workplace because we are in some ways we can't be seen as too authoritative because that's bossy oh but we also can't be too we also can't be too not i'm trying to think of the right word we can't be too lenient either because then we'd be seen as soft or like pushovers or that kind of thing so it's it's really kind of tricky because in the workplace it's really I've, i've talked about this in my videos it's really kind of a masculine workplace it's heteronormative and it's eurocentric so all those kind of ideals it's all these different things that need to be changed in the workplace for it to become a truly inclusive workplace. And that involves that involves really challenging a lot of, lot of tropes and traits in mm. the sphere itself. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, but I think that's what I would say, like post-training contract. I think post-training contract, I've really kind of realized the amount of work that needs to be done to improve DNI for it to truly be a diverse and inclusive workplace. And sometimes I wonder whether a workplace can even be truly diverse and inclusive. I mean, am I just living in an ideal world, or is that actually a reality? Like, you know, I would like to think it is a reality. Um, I would really hope it is. But when there's so many people in the workplace who have so many different, unique, and different ideals, then would it be difficult to become that kind of sphere? But mm. who knows? <laughs>
1: Yeah, what I do think. I feel oh, like. Oh, sorry. sorry. go
2: on. I just had another kind of fleeting thought. What I do think, in terms of making that ideal a reality, is ensuring that people like us, so people who do come from those underrepresented communities or the, those diverse backgrounds, it's up to us to be in power, like positions of power in organisations. Because I'm not going to lie. For example, someone, a white male in the workplace, is not going to care about the issues. Of a woman of colour because they cannot personally relate. I mean they can still care about it but they can't have that level of understanding that someone like myself might have of other people of colour. The same way for example I'm a straight woman I will have no kind of understanding or like real idea of what it's like to be part of the LGBTQ plus community because I'm you know I'm not that person. Whereas I'd really appreciate if there were people in Leadership positions who were from these diverse backgrounds who could forward those ideas forward for their community. So I think that's why it's really important for people like us to trailblaze, which is why I have problems with recruitment practices because they prevent people like us even getting in in the first place. But yeah,
1: yeah. I think Great that um, how you were talking about uh, what that woman said at the um, about the kind of smelly food and stuff like that. Hmm. I feel like it's like struck a chord with me because the me and Rachel were like, th- this is kind of where white privilege comes in, I suppose. Um, we're, we're, like The likelihood is no one's gonna say, oh, we no smelly food in the office and look at, at me or Rachel. And it's horrible, horrible that that even like straight away, they kind of take that assumption to look at you, for example. And it's like, even putting that into small things like that where essentially you don't think about it at the time, but when it's addressed, when someone addresses it, where it's like actually, is this kind of a uh, kind of attack almost?
0: It's like a, yeah. a casual me for yeah, it. It's racist. like yeah.
1: absolutely awful because it's little things that add up that you think. Because we yeah. will never ever think like, is this because of the the color of my skin or my religion or my background, for example? Yeah. Um, maybe maybe from like a, like you were talking about the LGBTQ way. Um, if it was, I don't, I don't know, I'd, I can't even come in from as 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 a gay man like. I've, even stuff like that, it doesn't, it doesn't correlate to how bad it is for what what people are like um, when it comes to these little comments, maybe or because um, it's not a physical trait. No one would, I mean, someone might look at me and be like, "He's gay," but they they don't look and the like my my skin's not a, a different color, maybe or like anything like that. So that's absolutely awful. To it's like really resonated with me for some reason because I don't, yeah. I, I would have never taken took that into account and that again that's the white privilege thing coming again but like this is why it's so important for people to educate themselves on it ask about it and like actually take response to it like understand the the severity of the situation
2: that's the thing as well um there's so many different types of stereotypes that I've come across like in, in several kind of workplaces and professional spheres not only to myself but to people that I know as well some of my friends for example they're part of the black community and people have like touched their hair and stuff in the workplace and it's like I'm sorry, mate, but I wouldn't go around touching you. Like, imagine if I just patted your head. Like, if I was, I was walking past, like, how awkward would that be? Like, what gives you the right to do that to someone else? Um, and it's just little things like that. And it just, like you said, it just makes you think, oh, is it because of the color of my skin? Is it because I'm from this background? Is it, and it just makes you feel like, you know, sometimes you normalize it in a really kind of weird way as well. You try and brush it on the carpet for your own sanity as well. Yeah. Um, I've had a partner in a firm, like, say to me, well, you know, your hair would look better if it was cut. I'm not going to lie, as, as sick individuals, we keep our hair because <laughs> that's part of our religion, yeah. like we keep our hair long. And that was ignorance on his part, part. I don't think it was a malicious place. And I just put him in his place straight away. And I was like, look, i keep it long for my religion. But some people, and I, I completely resonate with this as well, but some people of colour or some people of different like backgrounds or underrepresented communities, we're done with educating others. Like, educate yourself because we're yeah. talking the people who are like, it's like saying to a, a black person, what's Black History Month about? it's like google's there mate if you wanted to learn about yeah. it google it like why yeah. you why is the onus on us to educate people when honestly information is really freely available for you just take the time out
1: yeah right take the time out educate yourself about it and then have an actual discussion around it rather than being yeah. like so what, what what's it all about like Raven. i think that, that is ignorance isn't it
2: yeah it's just choosing to be ignorant and not taking the time out for yourself if you've got questions honestly ask google that's what it's there for <laughs> yeah. and then not if yet. you can have a discussion with it if you're confused about it, if you, if someone came up to me and like like you guys said right now uh, you asked in a really kind of positive way you know we understand that you are practicing Sikh and I'm sure you guys have an idea about what our religion's about like Rachel you mentioned going to the temple and getting the mystery and stuff like that obviously you have an understanding of that which I really appreciate however if someone came up to me and said I don't know what is Vasaki, which is a celebrate like a festival that we celebrate. You could get that on the internet, and if you've yeah. got a, if you've got a question about it, like I read this about Vasaki and it's this, this, and this. Um, I had a little bit of a question about this. You know, like then that's completely fine because you know you've gone out of your way to uh, actually try and educate yourself. Got a question? Ask us. So,
0: you're now kind of seven to eight weeks, very early days into training contracts. What is something that's happened in this time that you didn't expect um, from when you started, you know, from your preconceptions before you started? What's been the eye opener?
2: Um, Working from home, how difficult it is. I never I never thought it would be as difficult as I found it because I went through the whole year doing virtual events and talking like talking to you guys right now it's a breeze mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. I was thinking yeah you know I'm used to zoom I'm used to skype I've used skype back in the day I'll be completely fine with this and there were moments where I would fully kind of be near to a breakdown because I was stuck on a question and I was just like, oh my God, I don't want to pick up the phone and talk to someone. What if I'm disturbing them? I don't know whether they're free or busy. We have Skype statuses. So it says whether they're available, busy in a meeting, whatever. But for me, that's not enough because what if they're available, but working on something, you know? And I um, got really wound up one week. Um, and I was just like, I had this massive question on pure economic loss. I do not know what it was. I I learned about it at uni, but it was so confusing to me. I tried to read up on it again, didn't get it. And I spent my whole afternoon, I'm not gonna lie to you, literally pacing my room just like, how do I go about answering this question? How do I go about asking this question? At the end of the day, at 4.55 or something, I ended up emailing the solicitor from my team um, and just saying, look, I am so stuck on this question. Um, and I just don't know what, like, I'm, I am I even, I remember when mentioning the email, um, apologies for such a stupid question or such a dumb question, um, but blah, 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 what is pure economic loss? Um, he gets back to me, bless him. He was just like, it's such a complex area of law. Like, it don't, is. it's a dumb question. It is a complex area of law. And he really kind of listed it out for me. And since then, I was up and running. I could get on with the task and it was completely fine. But I felt like if I was in the office doing that, I would have just asked him straight away. He'd probably be sat next to me. I'd be like, yo, help me out. Like, you yeah, know, what is this? And um, I think there's that element of working from home, but also just the element of, um, there's been times where there's been miscommunications and I've sent something across and I'm like to another person, my team, and I'm not sure whether they've seen it or not, whether they've read it properly and they sent it back. And sometimes the, the instructions that have been given to me haven't been as clear. So if they were to give it to me in person where they could really explain to me, then maybe that would have been better. Um, but also when you are working the law firm, I realise this as a paralegal, you go into a law firm and you, um, you go into the kitchen, you meet other people and you're in, in team that people are not in your team. You just say, oh, you know, how's your morning? What are you up to? Um, and they give you a little insight perhaps into what the, what they're about, what they're up to and what their team's about. So you don't get that when you're working from home. You go to the kitchen, I'll go to the kitchen, I'll see my mom and dad that I'm like, yeah, hello. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's one thing that I have really found difficult. I didn't expect to find it difficult, but I, I did. Yeah, I think. Where do you see
0: yourself in the next five years? you've got like obviously the YouTube's just growing yeah I know um and it's doing well and maybe well, maybe the next few years or kind of are you are you a planner are you a five-year planner I am a
2: five-year planner but a lot of people aren't so mm. I mean I've got elements I guess in my personal life of where I want to be um I've got elements in my with YouTube, honestly, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, when I am like 30 or 35 or like 40, would I still keep on my YouTube channel? I just wasn't sure. Um, because I think with YouTube, sometimes you have to act like you've got a larger-than-life personality. And I feel like by that point, life would have sucked all the personality out of me anyway. Um, so I'm not 100% sure. Um, I, honestly, like, like you said, I'm just taking it as it goes. Um, I am a massive winger with is that a football team? yeah <laughs> I'm not, I don't know anything about football um but um yeah I, I honestly I I mean I see myself qualifying in two years obviously but that's kind of a, a given anyway um yeah. and I wish I could tell you my plan, but I honestly just do not know.
1: <laughs> but that, that's that's good, having an yeah, open nice. mind Because Then you're not like, well, I've been steered off the path I thought I was on. It's like, oh, well, this is obviously the way I was supposed to go. So you you actually briefly touched on this earlier. So you put in your story yesterday. It might have been earlier today, earlier today or yesterday, about not seeing yeah. yourself, essentially, as a partner at mm. a firm. Mm. And I've probably given the answer what you've just given. What direction would you say it works well for you in terms of your person? It doesn't have to be like, okay, well, I know I'm not going to do that, so I'm going to do this instead. And you did say earlier, maybe you'd want to open your own business. Mm. Um, but what what kind of fits in with your personality if it's not essentially a partner, you don't want to be working under someone? Um, where would you want to see yourself go, for example? Whether that's you just want to be happy, for example, mm. like it, it, it can boil down to that because that's yeah. important too. I...
2: Where- Yeah, I think one, I was thinking about this actually while I was posting in terms of not seeing myself as partner. I think one reason for that is because I've not seen people like myself be partner. So then in some respects that sometimes that makes me feel like, oh, maybe I could be one of those then trailblazers then like maybe I should be partner. But I think I haven't actually resonated with the partners that I've met, not saying that they're not uninspiring individuals, but honestly, I just looked at the work that they did and I was just like, why do I even want this in my life? Like I wasn't sure. Um, But maybe at Wombles, for example, I might meet a partner and I'm like, you know what, this person has really inspired me. For example, I meet individuals like um, Jodie Hill and Alice Stevenson on um, Instagram and obviously all their other social media channels. And sometimes I look at those individuals, I'm like, you know what, like starting a new law firm. Like that would be quite lit, you know. Um, but I'm only doing that because I've not actually given it much thought. I'm only just like kind of being like, oh, you know, like it looks really cool, it looks really like trendy, it looks really fun. I don't see the kind of background like stuff that they have to go through. And I'm pretty sure they have to do a lot behind the scenes that we obviously don't see. Um, so I think in terms of your question, what I see myself as doing is something like you said that makes me happy, but more so where I am a lot more free um, in terms of I am, what I mean by free is more so to do with being able to express myself in a way that I want to express myself. For example, with YouTube, for example, there are certain things that I can't make videos about because it will just really reflect badly, perhaps on the firm that I'm working with. I can't do a video, for example, of things I hate about my firm. Like, why would I do that, you know? I don't have anything that I hate at the moment, but obviously it restricts you, right? And it restricts the content that you wanna make. So one thing, maybe I could go into like content creating full-time, maybe being like a full-time YouTuber, but I always do see YouTube being like a side thing, if I'm honest with you, um, rather than a full-time thing. so I think it is that element of like starting my own business. I do like to think that I'm quite entrepreneurial um, in terms of when there are kind of gaps in the market or like if I, man- if I manage to like spot anything that's not been talked about before or not been mentioned before, I will act upon it and make sure that I do do something and talk about it. So I think something to do with that kind of element, which is why starting a business is something that I do see myself potentially doing.
1: <laughs> i feel like you've inspired me today i just feel oh, like glad. yeah, yeah i feel like I'm stories i just feel as though you've really shown even with you've just shown who you are like mm, i'm glad I think that you essentially I, I wouldn't essentially message you and start asking about um well the things you've asked today yeah but it's nice to hear it like firsthand like we're not exactly face to face but it's still the same concept of like think other people appreciate kind of Um, giving you open up about the things that uh maybe concern you the things that you like things that you don't like things like that so yeah i'm really 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 happy that you came on today Yeah,
2: thank you so much no no need to thank thank you for the opportunity i had such a nice time um yeah i think a lot of people have this impression of me being someone who's got my life together and like actually plans everything is very I, i would say i'm an organized individual but honestly I'm just like everyone else I'm winging it like I have no idea so I'm really glad that um I managed to try and get that across as well
1: so that is the end of our episode thank you so much Simran for coming on and joining us um giving an insight into your life really it's been it's been absolutely incredible
0: oh thanks so much for having me I had so much fun anytime anytime so that is a wrap that's the end of this one if you want to send us any feedback any comments compliments we are on at the legal social one on twitter and at legal social club on instagram thank you so much for listening
1: we'll see you next time